It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, that wasn't great. That Boston Celtics blow it against the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, just flat out blow it. And I don't know if I can stay positive in this one. So, Phillies, let's go. The Boston Celtics got what they deserved in a 129-120 loss to the Brooklyn Nets. They just stopped playing with any sort of effort in the fourth quarter, and they got torched by Karis LeVert. And really, this one is on just about everybody. I'm John Corrales of MassLive.com. I was there for this debacle, and it was not great. (laughs) It was not great. Uh, And so what I'm going to do here, I'm going to go through my thing here in the first segment. Second segment, I'm going to play you most of what Brad said after the game because he was pissed. For Brad Stevens, he was pissed. Like it, it, this was the equivalent of uh, like a Greg Popovich kind of going off, but you know, Brad Stevens, you guys know how Brad is. He's usually pretty cool, pretty calm about everything. And after a tough loss, he plays up the positives. And after a big win, he kind of like tries to even keel it. But after this one, he was just like, Nope, that was terrible. And so I'll, I'll play you. Most of what he said, just cut out some of the other extraneous stuff, but I think it's worth listening to because he was just blunt about it. Like, we were terrible, that was terrible, and we got what we deserved. And I completely agree that they got what they deserved. And, you know, Brad Stevens got, you know, he he could have done things differently, and he didn't. He let a lot of things happen in that fourth quarter, and I don't know if he was just doing it for for these guys to like learn a lesson to see if they could pull out of it. If he didn't expect Karis Levert to hit just about everything in the fourth quarter, like literally just about everything, seven of 10 shooting in the fourth quarter, four of six from three, eight of 11 from the free throw line, 26 points in the fourth quarter. He had a great game just in the fourth quarter alone, 26 points, three assists, two rebounds on 70% shooting, which is insane. And the most insane number is that in the fourth quarter, 26 points. In the overtime, he scored all 11 points for the Brooklyn Nets. They outscored the Celtics 11-2 to in the fourth quarter with Carson Edwards, the only guy who hit a shot in the fourth quarter. Celtics were 1-7. of seven. The Celtics scored 34 points in the fourth quarter. So, quick math. Karis LeVert scored 37 points. In the fourth quarter and overtime, 26 in the fourth, 11 in the OT, 37 points. 
The Celtics scored 34 points in the fourth quarter, two points in the overtime, 36 points. Karis Levert, alone, in 17 minutes, outscored the Boston Celtics in the fourth quarter and overtime combined, 37-36. to Unforgivable. Completely unforgivable. Just ridiculous that that was even possible. Ridiculous that they let him do that. Ridiculous that no one could stop him. Ridiculous that the Celtics didn't put forth the effort necessary to stop one guy. One guy. And it's funny because we were watching this game and it was a TNT game, so Scal was just sitting there, just kind of watching in the media section. And as the fourth quarter started to progress, he said, this feels like a bad loss. This feels like, you know, a, a bullshit three going in or something. And and he wasn't completely off. And there were places in that fourth quarter where maybe you could say a couple of calls went Brooklyn's way. Maybe Kemba Walker was fouled in the final seconds there when Rodion's Kuruks forced the jump ball. Maybe he was fouled, and, and Marcus Smart was pissed off, and he was saying something to the refs about that. Maybe, but you know what? I don't give a shit. I don't care. And Marcus Smart, for everything that he does, for all of the passion, and I love Marcus Smart. He's one of my favorite guys on the team. Marcus Smart went off on the refs after the game, and that was a bad look. Because you know what? It's not on the refs at that point. You've let Karis LeVert torch you. You blew an 18-point fourth quarter lead. You and the rest of your guys didn't put forth the defensive effort to stop the Brooklyn Nets from scoring. Okay? It's your fault. If you put your position, you put yourself in a position after being up 18 against the Brooklyn Nets team that looked dead. They were dead. That game, I wrote the recap for Mass Live afterwards. And in the fourth quarter, I was at like almost in stop paying attention because this game's a blowout mode and just finish writing the recap and just kind of like peer up to see, okay, it's garbage time, who's scoring what, and just kind of add like little bits and pieces. Because that's what you have to do when you're writing a recap that post, that posts at the buzzer. I'm supposed, my posts for the, the recap, when we do it, it posts basically at the buzzer. Horn goes off and I've got like a minute or two to finish it and post it. So it means I'm writing during the game. And this was, this was a vanilla game. The original version of my recap, I called the game vanilla. I called the game oatmeal because it was bland. It was blah. It was fine. It was okay. But there was no juice in the arena. There was nothing to get excited about. There was, everybody was bored. Like the fans were bored. There was no excitement. It was nothing. The Celtics were cruising to just an easy win and Brooklyn looked dead. They just didn't care. They looked tired. They just felt, it felt like the Nets were like just going to coast and roll over and die. And maybe the Celtics felt that too because they came out there in the fourth quarter and they kind of played like they expected Brooklyn to roll over and die. They were just kind of screwing around. Ball kept flying into the stands and Brooklyn didn't roll over and die. They let Karis LeVert who's a good player, they let Karis LeVert get hot. 
and he got super hot, super hot. And then once they started to be like, oh, crap, Karras is going off. Then they started leaving guys, other guys like uh, Luau Cabarro, who scored 11 points in the fourth quarter. Like he was, he was hitting shots and getting to the line. The Celtics put Brooklyn to the line 18 times in the fourth quarter. They shot 6 of 12 from 3 in the fourth quarter. They shot 15 of 23 overall in the fourth quarter. They had 7 offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter. Okay? By the time you get to the end of the game, by the time you get down the stretch and you have blown a lead and you have let that other team score at that point 48 points on you, you don't deserve the benefit of the whistle. Even if there was a potential call that could have gone the other way, you don't deserve it. You've blown your chance. You have given up. You have forfeited your right to complain to the refs about what happened on the floor. Unless somebody gets karate kicked to the throat like the little tic-tac things or the little could go either way, you forfeited your right to that call. So Marcus Smart getting pulled off the floor afterwards and going on a tirade on the refs, sorry, that's a bad look. And he was he was in the locker room afterwards. There were only two players made available to the media in the scrums. Marcus was just kind of not around. He went to the showers, kind of disappeared, and then the, the locker room cleared out. So we didn't get a chance to ask Marcus Smart about that. Might be better for him because he's probably going to get a fine. He might get suspended, but I don't think so. I think that's fine worthy. But if he had the opportunity to say something to the media, who knows what he would have said. But I, I, I just don't care. I, I don't care. At that point... You've done you've done the the damage, and any complaints fall on deaf ears. I I don't care. I mean this this was as bad a loss as you'll see, um, and, and I don't. People are asking, is this one of the worst loss? Is this the worst loss in the Stevens era? You know, it's hard to compare. I seem to remember that loss last year in Charlotte, at the hands of Kemba. I thought that one was pretty bad. Um, similar situation, kind of cruising. And then that one, I remember that one. It just stuck out because everything was going great. Jalen was having a great game. And then all of a sudden, uh, guys started firing their own shots because they wanted to pad their own stats. But, I mean, this was on that uh, on that par. So, um, that's, that's what I've got to say about the game going to come back with Brad Stevens and his thoughts post game. You'll see what I was talking about when you you hear what he's got to say. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Teams. Now there are more ways to be a team with Microsoft Teams. Bring everyone together in one space with a new virtual room. Collaborate live, drawing, sharing, and building ideas with everyone on the same page. And make sure more of your team is seen and heard with up to 49 people on screen at once. 
Learn more about all the newest Teams features at Microsoft.com Teams. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I wasn't expecting Brad Stevens to be upset. Uh, Well, I mean, upset, yes, but like, I always expect Brad Stevens to come in with some sort of even keel. And for Brad, I thought he was kind of very clearly calling out his team. And he doesn't do that often. He does not do that. And so here is here is his post-game press conference. I, I cleaned it up a little bit. I took away some of the pauses. And I took out some of the questions about like, Injuries and Kemba's knee and and stuff like that. I left in just kind of like, this is just the general kind of feeling of the game. So it's not all of it. So, but this is most of it. So here's Brad. These are the ones you look forward to. (laughs) Um, Can you put your finger on where things started to fall apart in the fourth quarter? Yeah, we didn't have any defensive intensity. You know, I should have subbed a couple of guys out that normally play, and I just left them, kept kept them in, and we had great um, intensity for most of the game, and we just let our foot off the gas. Um, but uh, you know, we got four stops in the fourth quarter. They scored 51 points. You know, the game's 48 minutes. We made a lot of plays late that were just not winning plays, um, and pretty simple, basic parts of our. Um, you know, our defensive system and, uh, but you know, they deserve to win. And I guess if you're in this game long enough, you'll see it at some point. And, uh, so we saw it tonight. I know there are quite a few injuries there, but, uh, just to run down for Gordon, Jalen, I have no idea who's going to Cleveland. I think most of the coaches are going a couple players. Um, yeah, I just I, I just want eight guys, nine guys, whoever's going to play hard. Let's go. Like that was ridiculous. Now Brooklyn deserves credit, and I hate I hate to say it that way because they really deserve credit. Those guys that were in the game for Brooklyn, like and Levert special, obviously, but those other guys too, they were really engaged and they deserve they deserve credit for that. Coach, I know you talked about you know what could have been better during the fourth quarter, but what lessons can you take from an ending like this? No, I mean, uh, I think if if you play to momentum and you're relying upon momentum, then you you will lose. 
um, or you will not maximize your team, certainly. If you're just a team of runs or when things are going really well and everybody's patting you on the back, you feel good about yourself, you, you know, you're good. And when things aren't, you let go of the rope. Like teams of runs lose. Teams that can stay in the moment and play the next possession the right way and not be influenced by the score, not be influenced by the situation of the game, the circumstances of the game, or, or have a different level of toughness and a special toughness. Um, we've exhibited that most of the year. I think that this is an anomaly. Um, but nonetheless, it was a very humbling you know, one because that was, again, it was ridiculous. Is there any, like, like you mentioned, that's, that hasn't been an issue for this team this year, are there any signs that you kind of saw this team no. losing its no, I mean, I just know that, first of all, we, we had a number of guys out that we normally have in in those moments when things get tight. But, like, they did too. They had a, most of their starters out. And their bench played all of overtime uh, with Levert, obviously. So, um, you know, I don't want to take anything away from them. But, obviously, a very disappointing performance by us in the fourth quarter in overtime. Brad, was there any thought to doubling Levert and get the ball out of his hands? Yeah, I mean, we tried to on a couple of different plays. And, you know, we just a um, couple of times he found other guys. You know, um, a couple of times he just made the made the right play. Now, I don't know. I mean, he had an overtime. Those were tough matchups for us no matter what. Um, but, uh, you know, again, the one thing you got to be careful of when you're up like that is, like, you don't want to give up just wide open threes to other guys and wide open dunks. So you should still be able to finish that game and guard as well as you can, make him a driver, don't foul him, make him hit contested twos if he's going to hit shots. We just were really, we just really didn't play well at the end. And, you know, we didn't get the ball in twice, like, terrible. On that last play regulation, um, I think it was like three seconds left, was it you guys trying to play that straight up on Levert when yeah. Smart fouled I mean, him? We had... Tyson Williams were there. I mean, he wasn't going to get a shot up, I don't think. If he was going to get a shot up, it was going to be like, it was going to be almost, I mean, he might have made it, but it was going to be almost impossible to make it, I think. Yeah, so we were trying to just be big and be at the three-point line, put our best, two biggest guys, you know, you know, longest guys right there and try to take it away. Brad, uh, with everything that you've been saying, uh, I guess the question is why, why did, they let go of the rope. Why were they making those kinds you've, of plays? You've played. You've been in games like not maybe not like this. I don't know if I've ever been in a game like this, but you know you've sometimes things don't go your way. The other team gets to feeling really good, and then you know you've got to you feel like the weight of the world's on your shoulders to finish a game. And usually you do that with your effort, and you know you get a tough stop, a tough rebound, a, a loose ball. You know we didn't get any of that stuff, so we deserve to lose. So I think you can get what I was saying with Brad there. It very clearly um, upset, talking about how ridiculous it was that certain things happened, uh, talking about how terrible it was that they couldn't get the ball inbounds twice, which is really, I mean, it's that's terrible. Um, Grant Williams almost turned the ball over, and then they had to try to get smart to inbound the ball, and that didn't go great either. But uh, the the general tone of what he was saying is just very much calling out his team, saying, look, you, 
you can't play. You can't, as they say, put the put take your foot off the gas. You can't do that. Um, that's a problem. And as I've said many times, and written many times, this Celtics team, whether they're injured or not, is not good enough to coast their way to wins. They are good enough to be great when they play together and play with effort. When they put it all together and they're playing hard and they're moving the ball and all of that stuff, they are great. They are a great team. And they don't need everybody to be healthy to be great or have great games. And for most of this game, actually, they were good. They outscored Brooklyn in that second quarter by eight. Um, they were they had built a lead that was as high as 21. It was 18 in the fourth quarter. They were cruising. They they had a a lead. They were comfortable, and then they blew it. And that's 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 the worst. That's the worst part because you had it. And then you look at the standings, Toronto wins in Phoenix. And so these opportunities that the Celtics had to get into a tie for second or take over second, now all of a sudden they're a game and a half out of second. And this is especially, especially bad, especially bad because the third tiebreaker if Toronto wins that game on March 20th and they end up tied at the end of the season, then the head-to-head is out, the division winner is out, they go to division record. The Celtics just blew a game against a division opponent. And that win, like, basically, I'll say this. The Celtics essentially blew the third tiebreaker against the Raptors because if they lose to the Raptors, their division record now right now is seven and six, the Celtics. The Raptors are eight and four. If the, if the Raptors beat the Celtics, that's another win of separation that's just too much to overcome. So essentially, if these two teams end up tied, the Celtics are going to be the third seed because I don't know, I don't think that they can overtake the Raptors. And that's that's a big deal if you care about getting that second seat. The Celtics basically blew that. All right, I'm going to take a break. Going to come back. I'll uh, talk about Kemba and some other notes from the game and wrap it up. Stick around. More Locked On Celtics next. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Here we go! John Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA Podcast. 
Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. Boston Celtics go to Cleveland for a Wednesday night game, back-to-back, and they will not have Kemba Walker. He will not travel to Cleveland, like I said uh, in in yesterday's podcast. This is as expected, not a surprise. Kemba Walker came back, played 23 minutes, played pretty well, not exactly, uh, you know, I wouldn't say great. He didn't shoot particularly great, but... 21 points in 23 minutes, 6 of 16, 4 of 12 from 3, but he was 5 of 5 from the line. I had four turnovers, so, you know, not great, but not bad. He, he seemed to have his – he had his moments in the fourth quarter. He definitely had his moments for the Celtics. Uh, he played seven – almost eight minutes in the fourth quarter, had nine points to lead the Celtics in that fourth quarter, two assists. Two of his turnovers came there, but – Two of four from three in there, uh, three of three from the line in the fourth. A couple of assists were huge. Uh, hit uh, Robert Williams for a dunk. I mean, it it felt like at that moment that Kemba was going to keep keep them at bay, keep Brooklyn at bay, but obviously not. Obviously, we know what happened by now. But Kemba, not bad. But like I said, as expected, he'll get treatment here in Boston. On Wednesday, Thursday, the Celtics are off, but he'll, I'm sure, be in the Celtics facility getting more treatment, working out, strengthening, lifting, and all of that stuff so he can play on Friday uh, against Utah. So Kemba's out in Cleveland. Gordon Hayward might be out against uh, the Cavaliers. He suffered a knee contusion. And it looked like Daniel Tice kind of rolled into uh, his knee. And so he says he's sore and not clear if he's going to go to Cleveland. Jalen Brown, not clear if he's going to go to Cleveland. Uh, He came out with a uh, right hamstring strain. So uh, Kemba's out. Gordon Hayward says he thinks he's out. Jalen Brown is probably out. We'll see. Um, And you heard Brad Stevens after the game say, I don't know who's going. That's three guys out. Um, Jason Tatum was out sick. I didn't see him at the facility, but maybe he was there. Maybe he showed up during the game and he's going to travel. Don't know. Haven't heard. But that could be four guys out. And then whatever happens to Marcus Smart, if he somehow gets suspended, he would be out. So essentially, the Celtics would be running a G League team out there. But they'd play hard. i tell you that much. They would play hard if uh, that was the case. But so Jalen, just to recap, Jalen... Might be out. Kemba's definitely out. Gordon is probably out, and we're waiting on we're waiting on Tatum 
We're waiting on Smart. Cleveland's going to be an interesting game. Uh, if that's a loss, man, what a what a turn, what a turn of events this could be. And essentially, if that's a loss, then I'm going to start to kind of look at this just being the Celtics as the three seed, which could be problematic because if the Celtics are the three seed, they're going to play either Miami, Indy, or Philly. And as these things start to shake out and there's time for that to change, um, I suppose there's time for Miami to jump to third if it really kind of came to that. But Boston does hold that tiebreaker, so keep that in mind. But it's looking more like now Indy and Philly are fighting for that 5-6. So if Boston loses to Cleveland and Toronto wins and you get now two and a half games separation, then that March 20th game probably doesn't matter and or not quite as much. I mean, that that's a big game to have a head to head and an opportunity to kind of like close things, but uh, that that really starts to solidify the Celtics, makes it much much more likely that they would be the three seed. So suddenly, this Cleveland game is kind of big, and the Celtics, if they don't have half their team, who knows how that goes? I mean, that that oof, I don't even want to think about that. And now you start thinking about. Is it going to be the Pacers? Is it going to be Philly? Uh, There's certainly not going to be Brooklyn or Orlando. There's not enough time, and that's a nine-game difference. That's not going to happen. So if it's Philly, how good do we feel about that? I know Philly is, you know, struggling, but Philly's the one team that the Celtics have struggled with. And, of course, the Celtics have faced Philly in kind of adverse situations for most of the year. And they have that one big win over Philly. But I don't know, man. 76ers, they they still have that like, just like the Celtics last year, that kind of cornered animal. Like, you know that they're probably not going to be great, but Sixers-Celtics in the first round, I would not, I would not want to have that be the first round series because I would not be confident that the Celtics could beat the Sixers in seven games. If if Embiid is healthy and Embiid is motivated, uh, I don't know. I don't know. And, you know, I hate to say it, sorry, but I don't know. I mean, they would be favored, and Philly is a terrible road team, and the Celtics would have home court advantage, so that would be a big deal. But they're an awesome home team, and if they win one game in Boston – then that changes the calculus a lot. So the Cleveland game's a big deal. All of a sudden, how funny things turn. So I know some of you were looking at me as like, okay, cheer me up. Um, not not after that game. I'm sorry. That game that game was was crushing, and it you know it's one game, and if they beat Cleveland then sure, then things you know get back to normal. And it really is just one game. It's just one game. But the ramifications of this game, when you consider 
tiebreakers and and all of that and just just the way it makes you feel <laughs> the the ramifications of this game not great the injuries the you know the the post game antics the, all of that stuff it's not great so sorry not much i'm going to be positive about there but we'll see what happens after the cleveland game i will be back to podcast after that game so please subscribe so you can hear that podcast as soon as it drops and it will come directly to your device. So subscribe, and if you are a subscriber, rate and review. We all ask you for it, but it really does help. So please do that and share the podcast. Tell your friends, your family, your everybody in your sphere to listen to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.